0: welcome to inbound agency journey this is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies shortcomings and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency now here are your hosts andrew and gray All right, welcome to this week's episode of Inbound Agency Journey. This is Gray, and this week I am joined by DeShay Watts, who is officially DeShay, according to the website, the Chief Strategy Officer uh, at Sprout Content. But I think the backstory is that this spun out of uh, that that you were, are you the sole founder, or did you have partners early on?
1: Yeah, so I, I started a content development company Initially by myself, and I did that for about eight months, and then I brought on my business partner, who's still with me, uh, Debbie Williams.
0: So she's oh, that's a, awesome!
1: Officially a co-founder as a you know,
0: year right. one, right? Well, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Appreciate you making time to uh, to jump on with me here today. As so, when did you and Debbie start uh, Sprout Content, or or the the first iteration of it?
1: The first iteration. Um, we can kind of skip the first iteration. It was, uh, <laughs> it, was it was trial. Um, but Debbie and I started Sprout Content uh, 2008, so nearly 10 years ago. Wow.
0: That's awesome. And has the – I guess how is the focus, whether it has shifted or hasn't shifted, have you had the – obviously, if, was that the name at the beginning too? I guess that's maybe the first question before I get too far ahead of myself. Has it been yeah. Sprout Content?
1: You oh. know, it was actually – a really bad name uh before
0: that it was called watts
1: writing studio and it was more of a I was just doing more freelance content development while I was still working at another job so um it was just one of those quick I basically registered an LLC and threw it out right, there, there right. a lot of thought behind it. so yeah it's about content when we really got together and thought about what we were doing and decided we wanted to participate in the content space that's that's where the name came from
0: that's that's awesome. Everybody's got that uh, that story of oh, and for so many people, it's I got to throw something together to do a business with, um, and the work is more important than the name early on, and then you can always adjust that down the road. Yep. What, so compared to kind of starting out, it sounds like there's from even the name of um, Watts Writing Studio, it sounds like content has always been a big part of, um, of your vision and services. How have things shifted from kind of early on? Obviously, doing primarily writing, to and maybe the, maybe a better question here is like, what do you guys offer today? Or obviously, uh, you're a HubSpot partner agency. You do inbound marketing, um, but is it largely still is content still at the core of everything? Is it a lot of producing content, or is it um, you know have, has that kind of veered out into more of the technical side of things and a lot of people have added website development or video production or whatever other services. And what's the service uh, package or the service offerings that you guys have now?
1: Yeah, so I, I think it's kind of interesting how the whole content space has evolved. Um, when we first started, really the way it all started is I used to be a project manager for a web development company. And the piece that was always missing from every web project was the content. So, you know, you have this beautiful design and then you're ready to go, the client's ready to go and they're like, well, what do we put on the about page? So I come from a PR background, so I would just write the content. And this is 10 plus years ago, so it was baby, baby of uh, getting all that going and um, just kind of saw a gap in how there was a, a gap between content and design. So that's where really how the foundation got started. And then by about 2000. Eight nine, you know, there started to be discussion around content. Um, I'm not sure if you know Joe Paluzzi with content marketing, mm-hmm. but you know he started this the movement of content marketing, and we were like, well, that's what we're doing. I mean, we're creating content for websites. We're start. We were just starting to blog a little bit, just starting to investigate social, and just thought that that was the way that this was going. And con- the term content marketing made so much sense. So we got involved with his organization and met him. And the first time we met Joe, it was like, I remember we drove to Atlanta from Pensacola, Florida, just a five hour drive and went to this meetup group that literally had like 10 people there (laughs) uh, and him explaining what content marketing was. Um, And so we we got in pretty early on the content marketing uh, theme and we still rank on page one for content marketing agency because we had such an early, we were really early adopters on that. So we were a quote content marketing agency for about four years. And then what started happening is people were like, yeah, we understand content marketing, but how do you prove results? And that's when we started to look at a, a way to show that all of the content we're developing actually helps the bottom line. And that's where the HubSpot relationship came in. So HubSpot really allowed us to kind of come full circle with not only does content sound good, and um, it's also meeting your needs of driving traffic and bringing in leads. So um, we're still in that. We're still participating in that a bit. um, I mean, not a bit, a lot. But I think the the next iteration that we're seeing is really tying together, not only developing the content um, and showing that it's bringing in traffic and leads, but also that it, results in sales, so that sales enablement piece is kind of the the current slash future of where um, the content, I, I think, is going.
0: Right, that, make, that makes a lot of sense, and that's something that's kind of been a recurring theme here recently. Are you currently um, kind of working with clients on the sales enablement piece, or is that it's something it's that up. you're in the process of planning out how to, um, how to deliver that now, or working with partners? Because that's, that's a transition that a lot of agencies are struggling with. Um, most people who start an agency start are starting the agency because they enjoy the marketing piece. Um, a lot of times that, that same personality or skill set doesn't overlap with I'm really excited to get into sales. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are realizing I need to move in this direction. That's not really what I personally want to do. So is that bringing people into my agency? Is that partnering with somebody else? Is that just figuring out how to do it um where are you guys at on that spectrum and in that process
1: yeah that's a really good question we actually just participated in this um analysis that jp morgan did around this exact topic because it is such an issue with agencies um just hurdles with the sales enablement business and i i think a big part of it is that there's still such a gap between marketing and sales like regardless of agency, right? I mean, just in businesses in general, there's still a lot of inconsistency in how marketing approaches reaching prospects and bringing in leads and then how sales approaches closing those. Um, so we're, we're having the conversations with our clients, but it's, the buy-in is really, really slim. Um, you know, and I think part of it is, that gap, and the other part is exactly what you're saying. We're not, we're not sales experts. We're marketing experts. So, we're we're a little undecided on which direction we're going to go. To be honest, um, sometimes I think let's just drop it, and let's let them, you know, not even promise that we're going to make the sales, but just kind of drop our portion of the of the engagement. At you know, we will do this great content for you. We're going to bring in leads and then it's up to you to make the sale. Um, and then other times, you know, I don't know five years from now, if that's going to be enough, but it is definitely a challenge. And, you know, a couple of our clients, they even have, so this is just one example. If we had one of our clients, they do, um, really large screen kind of AV type of, um, equipment and services. And I'm talking like really big, like for airports and for um, car manufacturers and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we, we got a lead in from them. I say we, because we developed a blog post, we've it in social. Um, a lead came in from reading that blog post to social and they were from uh, NASA, which is amazing. And when you talk to them about what the next steps are with this lead and how we could potentially start to help to nurture it and work with their sales team is they basically were like, we have a red book, literally a piece, you know, a book filled with paper that they write down leads in. And that's their quote, you know, like little black book version of of sales, and they write down all of their conversations and any follow-up that they would have in this book, and so they don't need our help with with closing that sale. So when you're talking about trying to go from like a digital conversation to writing something in a book, still, and that's it's crazy to me, but that still happens. Right. It's not a small company, so I think that's just the challenge that that we're all, as marketing agencies, up against right now is still educating that sales team on how the digital realm can help.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said just the buy-in piece. Getting people to buy into the whole idea of this is huge, and that kind of has to come before everything else. I guess the openness to change is the predecessor to actually making the change. But also so much of what you just shared – I'm sure that's resonating with people and that is just like a complete echo of what I've heard in so many conversations with agency owners talking about inbound sales and going down that route and tying the marketing and sales piece together all under one umbrella is just, it's kind of like a a daily process of, wow, it would be way easier if we just kept doing what we're doing, is that going to be sufficient in the future? Probably not. How do we need to change? Why are people so opposed to change and not willing to accept our help with this? Um, There's a whole lot of uh, kind of lack of clarity around how do I price this? How do I position this? What should these services look like? Is this just something that I kind of throw in on top of our marketing stuff to make sure that they have results? But if I do that, then how do we get compensated for that? It's, It's a hard hard topic and um it's we're gonna see a lot of progress in that space um but there's a lot of opposition and a lot of just a lot of challenges there right now so that definitely that definitely makes sense and i it's always nice to talk to like i appreciate your perspective of just we don't know exactly where this is going it's a hard problem and we're working on it to solve it um and I think that that's that's the first step that people need to take is uh, we understand this is a problem we need to pay attention to, and work to fix. We don't have the answer today, but we're moving in that direction. So that's that's really cool to hear. In terms of so this is kind of a complete, I mean not complete but largely complete topic change here. One of the things that's highlighted on your website um, is the agile approach, which is becoming much more prevalent in the agency world. Um, and we're seeing a lot of agencies move towards that type of that type of approach. I think just realizing we need to provide better value for our for our clients, and um, and we also need just a differentiator internally and something that's going to align the way that our whole organization delivers results and is and is structured. And I think Agile has provided a lot of value for agencies in those ways and in a number of others. But can you kind of tell us, um, maybe the place to start is what prompted the, the transition to Agile, what that means for you? Um, and then I'm sure I'm, I've got a couple of follow-up questions around how you guys are doing that right now, and especially with the with the team structure and in the content space. Um, so maybe we'll start with the backstory there. How did and when did Agile become a big deal for Sprout Content?
1: Yeah, sure. Um So we started, I I started looking into Agile probably three years ago. Um, We actually worked with a company that provided Agile training. So we were writing content for them and it just kind of opened my eyes to what Agile even was. Um, And so I was sort of familiar with the concept, but more from, you know, a software development angle. And then um, about two years ago, I went to a, um, a HubSpot training. It was a HubSpot partner day and there's a great HubSpot um, partner named Kula Partners. They're out of Canada. They're just awesome guys. And they had adopted Agile. I, I think they are probably the first HubSpot partner that really did it. Um, and when I went to his session, uh, Jeff is the partner's name. Um, he He did a whole session on Agile and how they went about it. And I was just like, Co- we have to do this. And it made so much sense to to start adopting this. And he actually worked with a Agile consultant, um, Mark Long, who we ended up hiring pretty much right away because I just was kind of, I knew we needed to go all in and nobody on our team had the background to do it. So at this point we are in January of last year. So. Um, we just decided to go all in agile. And the the reasons were several, but kind of big picture reasons were that we, um, from an agile philosophy perspective, what we kept running into was just getting stuck in the same routine of deliverables for clients. And that just doesn't work anymore. So, you know, you can't have a, hey, here's your marketing plan a year out and follow it step by step because things change too quickly. And so we were getting into these ruts of, okay, we have this contract that says we're going to do four blog posts a month and we're going to do one video a quarter and we're going to do one ebook campaign a quarter. And that just got, it just wasn't working. We're having a hard time proving results, you know, just following this step by step, quote, mm-hmm. plane. So philosophy wise, that's why we decided to do it. Um, not only does it help us stay more active and more on top of deliverables and really continue to look at what's best for the client. It also helps the client think that way um, and use us more as their ongoing partner, brainstorming, you know, just kind of incorporating us into all of their marketing activities, knowing that we can adjust and adapt based on what they need. So that, that was the buy in there. Um, And then as far as process goes, it, it's just made a huge, huge difference in how much we can get done um, as a team and how organized we are. So, by we ended up using JIRA, which is a have you heard of JIRA as a mm-hmm. tool? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, we ended up using JIRA, and, and that's where we used our marketing consult or our agile consultant to kind of help us migrate all of our, all of our, Projects and our clients um, from we were using teamwork before and we moved it over to Jira and um, You know, we just have a very clear process now that each month we can plan out our capacity and then be able to Break that down into weekly sprints where we actually know What the team capacity is who's working on what and be also able to like cross-train Um, our employees so for example we do all of our content in-house we have three content developers so if for some reason you know two of the content developers are slammed we can because everyone's cross-trained we can take some of that workload and make sure that the third content developer um, that we're using their capacity and not overburdening the other ones so it's just little things like that that come into looking at numbers and being able to adjust pretty quickly um, for the team. Right.
0: Right. Well, that's a great overview and I appreciate that background. It's actually, it's funny that you mentioned um, Jeff because it's almost exactly two years since he came on uh, this podcast and we talked through their transition to agile, which is pretty new at that point. And we can link up the show notes for that. And in the, in those show notes he talked about, Working with Mark Long, um, and also included a, a snapshot of the internal dashboard that Jeff and the team there use to uh, to measure the effectiveness of their team. Um, so it's like a ship rate scorecard for them. Um, but one of the things that we talked about in that conversation that was a challenge for them as they moved to Agile, and a number of other people have gone through this transition and, and trying to figure out the right way to set this up um, is uh, it's an evolving process and journey for a lot of agencies but when you move to the one of the reasons that a standard or a stock set of deliverables took hold in the first place was because that made it really easy to price and say and there's this whole push towards the retainer movement and say for five or ten thousand dollars a month you're going to get this many uh deliverables and here's what they are and, and list them all out and one of the big concerns that a lot of agencies have and one of the hard one of the obstacles to get through with the switch to agile. Uh, It's not, I've never really heard anybody push back from the, from a logical perspective and say, no, I think it would actually be better if we weren't, if we didn't try and respond to what we were seeing. Everybody understands there's value here in this approach. But one of the, one of the pieces of pushback is uh, how do we price this? If we might be doing a different amount of work, each month or how do we do a consistent amount of work and so that kind of led to the point system and a lot that's come from there. So I'm curious to know Deshay how you are, how, how does Sprout Content price relationships right now? Are they still retainers? Is it X thousand dollars in exchange for this many story points or this many hours or do you start with a base set of deliverables and say well just from here it's not going to all be in the contract necessarily? And or is it some some other model? And there are a million varieties of those. But how are how are you doing that right now?
1: Yeah, and um, I think we're in the kind of if you want to, if there's a traditional approach to this, the first one that you mentioned, which is um, we have a we basically know their budget, and we we do do a contract typically a year, um, and that's broken down into a monthly plan for them based on their budget. So. If it's, say, $5,000, they get a certain amount of story points
0: to use each month. Okay. So, yeah. So, story points, I think once once the client understands what that means, and there's certainly some education that needs to happen there, but I think once you have them in that place, uh, that makes sense. And as far as for how things work internally, I know Jeff had mentioned like a story point effectively means an hour of time internally. Um is that how you construct that as well or kind of translate that to what that means as far as team planning or does that mean something different? Um,
1: we're When we first started, that's how we went about it. We're actually trying to move to more of the value points pricing. So whether it, instead of it just being quote an hour of person's time, it's more of the time for the whole team to complete something. Um, instead of breaking down per hour, it's more like uh, quarter day, half day, full day. So, okay. you know, it gets, it gets a little gray when we start looking at it that way, but I, it does make, I think for pricing, it's gonna, it's gonna be better going forward. But we're just now starting to look at that. Um, we just needed a, about a year to get our processes together first. And right. uh, from a client end, you know, really every single one of our clients when we made the transition, they were totally on board with it. Um, the way that we, you know, we did actual presentations to them and, and reconciled their contracts and explained how this would be better for them. Every single one except for one client um, was totally on board. So one out of, let's say, 16, 17 clients, they were like, that sounds great. So um, I think that they really appreciate having a little more flexibility, and of course they get buy-in into what strategy we're recommending each month, and that that um, they seem to enjoy that. And in the sales process, we obviously talk about how we're agile and how it benefits them, and um, they usually come into the relationship excited about the opportunity to switch things around as we did.
0: Yeah. that I think once you get trans- transitioned over, I think it can put you in a really good place as far as how you price that out and moving points towards uh, value-based pricing, which is something Paul Reitzer has spoken a lot about in the past and other, other folks have um, shared a, a lot of good lessons and teaching on that. I think that that's definitely the transition that ought to happen and, and needs to happen is can we position this based on value and help the client understand um, mm-hmm. that versus versus just having it be a, a cover up for an hour, of for an hour of time or um, for some, some number of time. So that's, that's helpful to have that. I, I don't want to eat up too much more of your time. I just have a couple of specific questions I think would be helpful for folks who are either in the process of transitioning to agile or, um, are thinking about this. So these are just the questions that I hear pretty frequently when having these conversations. And it's always interesting to know how other agencies are handling it from a billing side of things. In terms of the overall number of points, uh, I don't know if that's... Um, I guess maybe the, maybe the best way to ask the question is, um, is I guess uh, for an average client that you have right now on retainer, what's the total number of story points that would be typical? Is it like if it's based on half days, you know, is it like a 10 or 20 uh, or 30 point um, type of type of spread? Or if it's based more similarly to hours, you know, it might be a 80 or 120 or whatever amount. What um, what's the total number of story points? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so it, it ranges for each client, um, but anywhere, I think our lowest is probably 35 points a month, um, and our highest is around 70. So if you want to take an average, so it's maybe 50-ish is probably on average, um, okay. points. points yeah, a client would get each month, but again, that depends on their
0: contract. So. Right. And then is there a standard price per point that you use, or I'm assuming... You know, if you're at 80 story points, you pay a little bit less per price than if you're yep. at 35.
1: Yep, that's how it works. It's just okay. a scale that way. Mm-hmm.
0: Gotcha. Um,
1: and then one other thing that is that I think is really helpful on this is uh, making sure that you actually complete the amount of points that each contract has each month. So there's not a we don't. I mean, on special occasion there's rollover, but we. We do not promote rollover of points, um, and, and that keeps the client accountable to getting production done as well. So, that's a that's one of the reasons that the points are currently broken out monthly rather than like, hey, you've got a thousand points to use this year. Right. Towards the end of the year, they might suddenly use all of them.
0: Right. Yeah, it makes resource allocation or internal team planning really challenging if you don't kinda of have that scope down to a specific time frame that's not too too long. Um, and that's actually that was the last kind of specific question I was gonna ask is do clients have access to the to your Jira instance where they're looking at point usage over the course of the month, or is that a monthly reporting, or does it not really come up that frequently? You just kinda of tell them without necessarily bring them into a dashboard and just say, Hey, you had fifty story points and we used 52 we threw in a couple extra ones for you here at the end of the month how does that how does that get communicated to clients
1: we currently we do not uh, share jira with our clients not because we're trying to be untransparent but they really
0: aren't interested That's one more (laughs) one more platform for them to dig into Uh,
1: yeah so currently what we do is the end of each month usually the third week of the month we we still deliver a um, it's basically just a powerpoint presentation. presentation it's two slides and the first one is progress for, let's say, July, and we just list out um, everything that was completed, and then strategy for August, and we list out what we'd like to do. And so it's kind of line items, but not detailed out, so they can see the line item and the points associated with it. They just don't see, if it's an eight-point project, all, everything that goes into those eight points. So they just see like the top line of how many points that costs. Um, yeah, so that's how we do it. And it's just, so it's just progress. This is everything we finished. This is what we're planning to work on. Let's chat, discuss, you know, if we're on the right track for August or if there's something else that you'd like to switch out that we should pay
0: attention to. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Well, to say, this has been really helpful. I think that digging into some of these details, um, is those are the specific questions that get asked a ton of times in follow-up. Um, and so I appreciate you just being able to share um, a lot of kind of the intricacies and behind the scenes, how Sprout content is working, and uh, obviously excited about the way that you guys have grown and continue to evolve and, uh, and the future growth and challenges there. So I just want to say thank you for coming on today, being able to share with us, and uh, certainly wish you the best moving forward.
1: You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. And uh, hopefully this is helpful and happy to answer any other questions that might come up.